0: Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on a beautiful Saturday. We're back on The Fan. Did you miss us the last couple weeks? We we did do shows the last two weeks, but we moved over to ESPN for a couple weeks at 10 to noon because of Broncos training camp. Good to be back. We're in our palatial studios in Fort Collins. The sun is shining. It's a great day to be outdoors. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about so much today. We're gonna talk dove hunting, which is just around the corner, which I consider a, um, just a plot by the ammunition manufacturers to sell shotgun shells. We'll talk more about that later. You know, I wanna talk later about the West Slope rivers. There's some closes up in the mountains from the heat and the water, low water flows, there's still good opportunities. We're gonna talk about that. And we're also starting something very neat today that we may continue. It's called the question of the day. And we want you to participate. So what we're gonna do, probably once a month to start out. And for now, we're just gonna do it for fun. If it gets popular, we may turn it into a contest with prizes, but we're gonna have a question of the day. And not only will we ask our guests during the show, But I texted people throughout the industry yesterday to get their response. People like Jimmy Houston, Al Linder, um, Steve Panaz. And, of course, we're going to ask our own crew here, our participants. But we want you to participate. We're going to ask the question of the day. And we want you to text 303-713-1043 and give us your answer. And we're going to do it for fun today and see how it comes out. The question of the day today is what do you remember more? A fish you landed or a fish you lost? What do you remember more? A fish you landed or a fish you lost? Just for fun, text us at 303-713-1043. And at the end of the show, we'll tally it up and see what, what wins. Let's go to the phones. And joining us, and of course, we're going to ask him the question. He worked within fishermen. He's a fishing guide. He's a waterfall guide. He's a a well-rounded outdoorsman and an accomplished angler, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. So we'll start right off. What do you remember more, a fish you landed or a fish you lost?
1: That It's a real good question. I think I remember the fish that I landed more, but what I remember about the fish I lost is what I did wrong. So I, I try to remember if I did something wrong that caused me to lose the fish, so I don't do it again. But I would say a real trophy fish that's landed, you know, sticks in my memory bank more, especially if you're you're fishing with some good company when that happens.
0: Yeah, especially if you can rub it in a little, right?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, that is hey, true. So- so we're gonna put you down as fish landed. I'm not gonna answer this till the end of the show, so people are gonna to have to wait to hear mine. But let's talk some fishing. The first thing, Brad, that I think we should the water levels on the northeastern lakes are probably in better shape than they have been for a couple of years. Now that could change drastically,
1: but is that what you're seeing out there? That's that's absolutely true, Terry. You know, we started the year with kind of a low snowpack, and everyone was real concerned about water levels. But that rain we got there for two weeks, kind of middle of June, um, that just helped us fill those lakes back up and get the water that the farmers needed for irrigation. So we're sitting a lot better than I have seen in probably four or five years for this time of year. you know Jackson is only about three four feet low, Sterling's down a little bit more than the rest, but but Sterling typically drops. It's not nearly as low as it is it should be for this time of year. You know Horse is only about eight ten feet low, uh, Boyd's about five feet low. You know so many of these lakes are probably only half as far down as they should be, and it's it's allowing anglers to still get good access from both shore and from boats, and a lot of times this year, that can be a challenge in some of those northeast lakes.
0: Well, it really can, and of course, folks, always check before you go because in Colorado, the water levels and the flows can change so drastically. What are you seeing fishing-wise? Now, you can get a boat on almost all these lakes. What are you hearing, and what are you personally experiencing?
1: Well, I've been out a few times in you know the last couple weeks, chasing wipers out east and the wiper bite has just been phenomenal in a lot of the lakes Uh, jackson pruitt you know they're catching some at bar those fish seem to get really active when the water gets warm and they're chasing the schools of shad around so one of the best things to do is to troll crankbaits spread out your presentation with uh, planer boards and cover water until you find the active fish for those people fishing shorelines you know use something that you can cover water with little spinners or spoons they they allow you to cast out there quite a ways and cover water quickly if you don't get bites just keep moving until you kind of find those schools because those schools are constantly in the you know moving around and so if you get on some fish and you don't have a bite for five or ten minutes keep moving and try to stay with those fish. It's going to make for some really good fishing. Um, was up at uh, Horse Tooth last night. The smallmouth bite is definitely strong up there. The bass bite is more of a early morning, late day type thing. So if you're going to do that, uh, target those time frames uh, on the bigger lakes. And then the walleyes are starting to, to pick up, you know, the typical fall stuff of Spooning is still probably just a little ways away, but I'm seeing people picking them up, trolling crankbaits. Um, there still is a little bit of a live bait bite if you can locate the active schools, but uh, that bite is is picking up on lakes like, you know, Boyd, and Carter's getting some fish. And, um, you know, I'm even hearing of a few out by uh, the Pruitt area getting caught. So I've we're doing a lot of good yeah, go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, we've got a lot of good good opportunities going around, and, and the state will be starting to, to stock trout here probably in the next few weeks on these eastern plains lakes as well.
0: Yeah, and there's going to be – the opportunities, as long as you can get access to the lakes, the opportunities are going to get better and better as we head into the fall. I want to touch back on a couple points. When you talked about the wipers, I love the wipers and the white bass. Big Mac, McConaughey, if you want to make a little bit of a drive, can be just an awesome lake this time of the year for white bass and wipers. Boyd also at times for white bass. Are you seeing many white bass at Boyd yet, or what's it, what seems to be the situation there?
1: You know, I agree with you on the Lake McConaughey. The Boyd right now, you know, this time of year, usually you start seeing some boils happen, and I at least have not been seeing them in the mornings. Maybe they're happening a little bit more in the afternoon and uh, catching some smaller white bass in that six to nine inch range. But I haven't really gotten into those larger white bass, those, you know, 12 to 15 inches that are so much fun to catch. So I would keep a, you know, if people want to go out there, look for the schools of shad and either, just right below them, or uh, look to see if you can find any shad that have moved up kind of along the shorelines, and maybe you can catch some fish. You know, throwing a blade bait might be a great way to to catch a few of those white bass. But they really have not taken off yet this year for me.
0: Yeah, and I want to move on to some other subjects, but I'll make one more comment. I one time at Chatfield. I took the map out, and I looked for where the shore came the closest to deep water. And I went out, like you said, with a spoon. I took a Castmaster that was about the same size as the shad of the year, so maybe it was an inch and a half or something like that, you know, the two inches. You can cast that a mile. I caught two really nice wipers off the shore at Chatfield in just a matter of about a half an hour just moving the shore along those deep water edges. And, boy, those one thing about wipers and white bass, for their size – white bass fight but i don't think anything fights like a wiper i want to change topics while we have some time with you in just about three weeks i think uh teal season is going to start it's our first waterfall season now we don't have one on the west slope it's this is strictly a a um the eastern part of the state fly zone but what are you hearing i'm hearing from u.s fish and game that we might have a little bit of down numbers They're a little concerned what are you hearing
1: You know, Terry, from what I'm hearing, it's kind of the same thing. The southern prairie pothole region, which is kind of the northern U.S., Montana, the Dakotas, that area, has been really dry this year. So the population and the breeding that took place in that area is not really good. And then Canada, with their COVID closures, didn't do as many counts as they normally do. So it's, it's kind of an unknown up there. From reports from farmers and locals, that southern Canada area has been dry as well. But you start going up into that boreal forest, and it seems to be pretty good. So I think what we're going to have is we're going to have birds that come from further north and migrate down. The good news for us is we've got water like we were talking about. So as those birds come from northern Canada there's not going to be as many places for them to stop on their migration down. So we may get an influx of birds a little bit earlier than normal. And they may stick around because this may be the first opportunity at really good water and ponds and lakes for them to hang out with. So even though the numbers may be overall low, it may be beneficial for the Colorado hunters to actually have a good season. That sounds good. Now, what about, you know, we have a lot of hunters
0: that took up hunting over COVID. It's, This is going to be their first or second season or they haven't hunted for years. Um, Teal is our first waterfall and I think it's September 11th. You all have to check the date. Please check, you know, that yourselves and, um, uh, and we'll see what, uh, uh, maybe, you know, Brad, but if I'm starting out, if I'm new to teal, does teal require me to get a lot of gear? Do I have to buy a big decoy setup? Do I have to really be good at calling or can I kind of ease into it?
1: You know, Teal hunting is one that does not require uh, nearly as many decoys and stuff like that. There's great duck hunting or uh, jump shooting opportunities for teal. But decoy-wise, you can get by with just a a dozen decoys. The one thing I recommend for teal season and early duck season for people is if you have the choice, pick a lot of hen decoys or brown ducks because early in the season, a lot of your ducks don't have their coloration. So if you put a lot of those Drake mallards out there, it's not going to look nearly as natural as if you use more of your hen decoys. That's not to say if you only have a dozen decoys to leave all those drakes at home, you know, use what you got. But if you've got, you know, four or five dozen, or maybe you and your buddies have some, maybe combine them and put three quarters of them being brown ducks, it's going to look a little more normal. Now, the one thing about teal is, you know, you're only allowed to get out there and shoot teal, and real early in the morning identification can be difficult. So I often recommend people, you know, pass shots up if you're not 100% sure of what you're shooting at. Um, But teal really does not take a lot. A pair of waders, um You can call to them, but a lot of times it's more just get your decoys in the area where they see them, and they're going to buzz by or, you know, come in and land right there. And oftentimes, if you're not sure, landing the ducks, and then pull out your binoculars. Take a quick look at them and say, oh, okay, you know what? Yep, those are teal, or oh, glad I didn't shoot. Those were wood ducks. Now,
0: if if you're starting and you new to teal hunting, and by the way, next segment, we're going to talk about how you can take a friend hunting and win a lot of prizes right here in Colorado. But and teal could be one of the ways you get started. Uh, you you talked about calling. What about ammunition? A lot of people are concerned. Uh, does the, the non-toxic shot seem to be available for waterfall?
1: Right now, there is non-toxic shot in the 12-gauge sizes. You know, I've been around to several different retailers, and it seems like they've got a supply of non-toxic, you know, steel shot. It's not like it was, you know, two years ago where you had cases that you could buy, but you definitely can go get, you know, your boxes of steel shot. I would tell people to start picking it up now and kind of just build their surplus up for the season. But what's become difficult is those off gauges, your 16s, your uh, 28 gauge, your 20 gauge, the off gauges that people like to shoot oftentimes, whether it's at doves or teal, those early season birds, those may be a little bit more difficult to find. But for teal hunting, you know, a 12 gauge with number four shot will do just fantastic. And that you're going to be able to find at, uh, you might have to go to, to two places, but you're not going to have to spend the whole day shopping every uh, sporting goods store to find a box.
0: All right. We're out of time, Brad, but I want to really want to get people, you know, thinking about hunting, getting out there. If you're thinking about waterfall hunting, teal season's coming. We barely touched on it. Get the brochures, learn about it. We're going to talk dove hunting later in the show. It's another great way to get started if you don't want to do the waterfall. But, Brad, if people want to get into any of these things, they want to book a trip fishing or hunting, how do they get a hold of you?
1: They can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or uh, give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend. We will
0: talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Tony.
0: Brad Peterson on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you could win prizes by taking a friend hunting right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. See how high she flies. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have stores up and down the front range. Whatever your outdoor needs, just stop in one when you're going by and you'll be surprised and you'll keep going back. Um, before we go to the phones, somebody texted in the last segment, where at Chatfield did I catch the wipers? And this was a few years ago, but I was off of, I parked at Catfish Flats and I walked in, but I looked at the map first to see where the deepest water close to shore was. And I chose a Castmaster because I could really fling it out there. So it was in that that area, but it was a few years ago. So um, that may have changed. And of course, the water levels have been going up and down there. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, he's in the Hunter Outreach. It's uh, Brian Postumus. Good morning, Brian. Good morning,
2: Terry. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. And we got to start out by asking you the question of the day. We're asking everybody. It's a new thing we're doing. We're having question of the day. By, by the way, folks, you can participate. It's just for fun today. Um, but you can participate. We'd love to get your answers. We're going to total them at the end of the show. The number to text your answer is three zero three seven one three one zero four three. And a lot of you have been sending remarks and pictures. I think I'll build this into a great uh, social media post for everybody. So Brian, if if you are a fisherman, I know you hunt a lot. I assume you fish. You remember more a fish you lost
2: or landed? Oh boy, that's a great question. I I, I just off the the top of my head i got to remember the a fish that i lost and it was years ago and i think i was in high school i was up in canada fishing for pike and walleye and the very last cast of our trip I, i was trying to catch some pike and as that um as my my jig was coming out of the water a huge mouth full of teeth leapt up and grabbed that jig right out of the water bent this quarter ounce jig um the hook was bent like into an L shape and I lost it but it was it was just this huge pipe and it, it was the last cast of our whole trip and I, I missed it but I, I think that would have that's been the awesome. biggest fish I ever caught.
0: I am going to re- reveal my answer at the end of the show, but that's a great story. But you know what we're talking about memories and it's a great time because you've got a contest going actually Parks and Wildlife has a couple contests going. There's Take a friend fishing but there's also take a friend hunting. And, you know, just listening to you describe that outing, the outdoors, whether it's fishing, hunting, camping, creates memories and bonds that really no other activity can parallel. And along those lines, we have a lot of new hunters. We have a lot of people that want to get out in the outdoors. They rediscovered the outdoors because of COVID. They'd like to go hunting, but they can't find somebody in their family or friend to mentor them, or they there aren't enough programs at CPW, and so you have this great contest going. Tell us about it.
2: Yes, the uh, Take a Friend Hunting and, and also the Take a Friend Fishing Contest runs very similar. But, yeah, we opened this up three years ago, or this is the third year in, in the program. But the Take a Friend Hunting Program, the, the goal of this program is to encourage um, Existing hunters right like knowledgeable experienced hunters to reach out to their friends and co-workers or families and just ask them Hey, have you ever hunted you want to get out hunting you want to come with me? So this is a incentive to ask people to go hunting with them and so we're, we're looking for um, Kind of a mentor mentee relationship so a mentor has to be someone that is 18 years of age and and has had a hunting license in at least three of the last five years so, you know, they, they have to have some some hunting experience and then the mentee is, is generally going to be a newer hunter. They have to be eighteen years or older. Um, th- there's some, some conditions they have to meet to be in this contest. So the mentee um, should either have never had a hunting license until this current year, or only had one hunting license in 2020, or they haven't had any hunting licenses in the last five years. So we could we can find some some hunters that maybe haven't hunted for a while and they want to get back into it, and they just need to just need to find someone um with a little bit of knowledge and willing to invest some time in them so yeah this is an incentive to encourage our experienced hunters to reach out and take some new hunters out with them And, and you'd be surprised at how many how many people out there want to get into hunting but they just they just don't know what the first step is and it's so easy to take people hunting
0: Oh, it really is. And with some of the seasons we've got coming up, you know, people think, well, elk hunting and deer hunting, but you can start out with teal and dove. Dove is starting very soon. The next segment, good friend of yours is going to be talking about dove hunting here. What a great way to get started. So it doesn't take a lot. And you heard Brad talking about teal hunting, how easy it is to get into that. But not only are you going to get the reward of getting somebody into the outdoors and hunting, but you can really win some nice prizes. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've got twenty pairs of prizes, and uh, you know the the value of those are about five thousand dollars total. But I've got I've got seven pairs of gift cards um, to hand out: two hundred dollars for the mentor and one hundred dollars for the mentee. And those are gift cards at Shields, Sportsman's Warehouse, Cabela's, Bass Pro, or Jack's. I've got Alps Outdoors hunting packs, Vortex binoculars, Bushnell rangefinders. Browning gun cases, banded waterfowl bags. I got a couple different gun cleaning kits, outdoor edge butcher kits, some duck and goose calls, Primos turkey calls, some uh, those uh, some high quality rechargeable headlamps from Coast Sitka beanies. Um, I've got the um, Primos bipod trigger sticks for uh, for hunting. Um, I, I've taken those out quite a few times when I take people out on our hunts, and, and boy, they 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 work great. Just as a this is an easy way to, um, you know, stabilize that rifle for for, uh, for a shot, you know, for, for pronghorn or deer or elk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So prizes. how do
0: I qualify? How do I qualify? How do I get, you know, I've, I've picked out a mentee. I'm a mentor. I'm a hunter. I know the kid down the block or the adult on the block or the guy I work with isn't a hunter, but they're interested. Okay, I've got somebody. How do I register? And then what do I have to do to enter? Yeah.
2: yeah. So we have on our website, we have a page that has all the official rules, and we have a, a, an entry form. Um, so so anyone can go to cpw.state.co.us and just search in the search bar, take a friend hunting. And, and basically what the mentor needs to do is they need to provide at least three mentoring events, and that could be scouting for a hunt, could be going out and prepping gear or purchasing gear, going to the range and, and practicing prior to the hunt. Um, it has to include a hunt um, and, and then maybe follow it up with wild game processing or a wild game meal. So the, the mentor will submit the application. They'll include their their name, their CID, um, the mentee's name and CID. They'll submit a narrative explaining their hunt and, and kind of talk a little bit about the mentoring process. They'll submit a photo. The photo doesn't have to include um, the hunters themselves if they don't want it doesn't have to include any game it could just be a, a, a picture from you know a good scenery picture from their experience out there if they want to show a picture of themselves that would be great too it's actually pretty easy you just you just submit the photo the narrative and the information online it goes into our system the uh, this contest will close on February 28th so uh, the month of March I'll be going through all of those all of those applications or submissions and I'll be uh, I'm trying to um, you know, pull out some names and awarding them those prizes through uh, through March. So by the end of March, everyone should have their prizes. That's awesome. And we talked
0: also that, um, you know, we, we talked about teal hunting already. We're going to talk about dove hunting in the next, which would be a tremendous opportunity for this. But you and I talked offline a little bit about grouse hunting. would be a great way to start.
2: Yeah, yeah. What's really neat, so dusky grouse and uh, and dove season are starting here September one. Um, you know, I, I was listening on your segment before, and just, just for f- folks to uh, to know September 11 through 19 is that teal season in Lake and Chaffee Counties and in all the areas east of I-25. So just, just so, so folks know that that's coming up in uh, uh, about a month. But, yeah, so uh, dove season, grouse season, I think, I think dusky grouse is a great opportunity to get out hunting. And I, I do think that's a good preparation for hunters that want to get into big game hunting in the future, especially mule deer and elk you know you're you're up in the high country you're you're starting to um get experience of moving through the backcountry, um navigating reading maps and you're going after grouse but you're also out there um you're probably going to experience some some deer or elk sign in the area you're going to get familiar and, and start building skills that will actually come in handy for a for a, a big game season later so i i think getting out this year um especially in maybe in some units that you can draw next year um, it'd be a great time. You can use that as a, as a grouse hunt, but also a scouting hunt.
0: We are out of time, but tell, them, tell people again, the information is on the CPW website?
2: Yes, cpw.state.co.us, and search Take a Friend Hunting.
0: All right, my friend,
2: it's a great program. I hope people take advantage of it. Great
0: programs, uh, great prizes. Thank you for joining us and sharing with us.
2: Thank you, Terry. I appreciate the time.
0: You too. We'll talk to you again soon, very soon. What a great program. Find somebody, take them out. We're going to take a time out. and we come back, we're going to talk one of the opportunities that's coming up really quick, and that's dove hunting. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Um, let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Todd Schmidt. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, Terry. I really appreciate you giving me an
3: opportunity to be on your show today.
0: Oh, uh, glad to have you on, and what a great transition after the Take a Friend hunting, because I don't know that there could be a better entry hunting opportunity than doves. And, you know, I always joke about dove being, you know, a, a, a conspiracy to sell ammunition, but they really can be a great hunting opportunity, and not to mention great table fare. So let's start out first. What are you seeing as far as doves out there? I know it can change, but what are you seeing? You know, to
3: your point, it can change at the drop of a hat. But today and this past week, as I've been driving around the eastern plains, there are a lot of doves. Um, I'm happy to say that the population is looking really good, and the weather seems to be holding out for us, which is a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, we get that one cold front, it can move them, but then that moves other doves from up north down to us, doesn't it?
3: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so on the eastern plains, we'll see several uh, waves, if you will, of doves that come in and through the area. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it can be hit or miss at times, but if you pay a little bit of attention to the weather patterns, I think you'll find that uh, a very
0: successful hunting opportunity. Now, is it difficult to find places to hunt doves in Colorado? Is there much opportunity? Actually, I think we have a lot of opportunity,
3: especially here on the Eastern Plains. Um, You know, most hunters are familiar with our state wildlife areas. Um, Here in Area 3, we start in Morgan County, and we cover the six northeast counties in the state. We have over 30 state wildlife areas that we manage. Um, Along with that, we have quite a few state trust lands. Um, We work very closely with the state land board. And we lease properties starting September 1st and runs through the end of February um, that we call state trust lands. And you can find um, access on those uh, throughout the fall and for various game, but it starts all with dove, which is pretty awesome. And then probably our best program that we have is our walk-in access program. And that's managed um, through our small game coordinator, Ed Gorman. And we work with private landowners to find some of the best spots Um, for various game um, so that people have an opportunity to come out here and not only hunt on state-owned property, but to hunt on that private property that we lease just for this purpose.
0: Yeah, so there is opportunity. And I think um, people think about, you know, the shotgun sports like dove and quail and pheasant, and they, they think about walking through fields and then flushing birds and taking wing shots. And that can happen with dove hunting. But if maybe you're not that accomplished or you're just learning, or maybe you're not that mobile. You don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time walking, do you? No, not at all. And
3: that's what makes uh, dove hunting one of those great entry points to hunting. You know, it doesn't take a bunch of gear. You don't have to have a dog. You don't have to have that honey hole. You know, if you... Have access to a shotgun. Um, that's your first step. Uh, I'd highly recommend a long sleeve camo shirt because sometimes those uh, mosquitoes can be a little bit pestering in the morning and evening. Um, and maybe uh, a little bit of shade for your for your head uh, in a hat or a, a cowboy hat. But that's what it takes. Um, get some shotgun shells and come on out. It's a great entry point. Very little gear. Very little cost to the hunter. Um, and then we have lots and lots of access opportunities out here. And as you mentioned earlier, the table fair couldn't be better.
0: I know you told me a story that it's kind of how you introduced your family to wild game, right? It
3: is. It is. Um, we moved out here on the plains, uh, about five years ago, and I really enjoyed having the opportunity to check dove hunters, previous to that, but I, I didn't have a lot of success myself until we came out here and I really gave it a go and, um, bringing those little guys home, you know, just simply breast them out, uh, super simple marinade of Italian dressing, um, for maybe 30 minutes, uh, up to a couple hours, depending on how much time you have, and then just grill them lightly on the grill, um, minute or two each side. And they're fantastic. The family loves them. Well.
0: Oh, they're they're great, and you can keep quite a few of them. I think you can keep, is it 10 or 15? I can't remember. It's 15. Yep, 15 yeah. is the daily
3: bag limit, and you can have yeah. a possession limit of up to 45. So that's quite a bit of a dove to enjoy. So yeah. and, uh, that's one of the beauties of small game is the seasons are long and the bag limits are pretty high.
0: Now, if I'm headed out, um you mentioned i need a shotgun and really you could do a 12 a 20 even a 28 or a a 410 will work you know you can shoot doves if you like to you can flush them off and shoot them in the air but a lot of times you can shoot them sitting on uh, on fence rows as you saw from the picture i sent wasn't that great we'll have to put that out on facebook but but um but what do you look for do i need decoys do i look for food water what do i look for
3: You know, I do find grabbing a a four or six pack of decoys from Walmart to be helpful. Um, And usually you can clip them onto a fence. You can clip them onto uh, a dead tree branch, um, anything that's a little bit visible. um, And that's a great little roost site. Ideally, habitat-wise, water can be an essential part, especially for an afternoon or evening hunt. Um, And then if you have a tree row, um, that's maybe facing a, a hay field or a, um, a grain field, those are going to be great um, places where the doves are going to be flying through looking for that food, looking for the water. Um, when it comes to water, you know, think slow-moving water or stock tanks or playas or ponds, things where the dove can land on the bank or near it and and get that slow-moving water or still water Um, Those can be some of your best opportunities. Um, So it really doesn't take a lot. Um, For some of our hunters who they've hunted other game before, but they haven't done dove, I would just kindly remind them to make sure they have a plug in their shotgun um, because that's important when you come out for small game.
0: All right. Now, the last question that I'm going to, well, two questions because I'm going to give you our question of the day. But the last question about doves. Um, if you Do you do a lot of moving or if you find a good roost spot, do you tend to sit on it or both? I like to actually find a spot and sit still.
3: Um, so for me, I, I'm one of those guys that carries my bucket that has one of those padded lids. I can put, you know, my shells in there. I can put a drink in there, um, stuff to take care of the doves when I'm done. And that's, that's my mobile seat. And I like to find um, kind of a tree row or a a fence row that's near water, and I like to just sit and wait. Um, As long as you have a decent food source or water source, you're going to find depths moving through there
0: frequently. Um, So I'm a sit-steady kind of guy. And even if you shoot some, as soon as it settles down, you're liable to get some more, right? Absolutely. They'll just keep coming through. So uh, if you've gotten one, be
3: patient, you'll get more.
0: All right. The question of the day, we're doing a question of the day today, you might have heard. And it's, um, by the way, folks, we want you to respond to this too. We're doing this for fun. The listening audience can respond by text to 303-713-1043. And we're going to tally it up and we'll tell you the results at the end of the show. But the question of the day is, What do you remember more, a fish you landed or a fish you lost?
3: Oh, that's a good one. You know, I think probably my my greatest story is of a fish I lost. Um, When I was back east, I grew up back east, and I was fly fishing. I was learning how to, and I was on a pond, and I caught this really nice small two-, three-inch bluegill. And just having a wonderful time, and out of the cattails came a largemouth bass, and consumed that uh, small bluegill and I my eyes got wide I was super thrilled and after a few minutes of playing it my dad came running over he gets the dip net down and that bass opened up his mouth and out swam the little bluegill and that was the fish I lost.
0: Yeah, That's a great story. Todd, hopefully people will take advantage. We're shaping up to have a really great dove season. It's an easy hunting season to get into. There's tons of information on CPW's website. Thank you so much for sharing with us today.
3: Thanks for having me today, Terry. I really appreciate it.
0: You bet. Todd Schmidt, he is so enthusiastic, folks. What a great guy to have on, and what a great opportunity, dove hunting. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to take you up to Lake John, where they're catching some big fish. Ontario Terry from Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. We're waiting for a call from Doug Gibb at uh, Lake John, and he got tied up with some customers. But I did talk to him earlier in the week, and he said, the fishing at Lake John has been very steady. The weeds are heavy offshore. So when you're fishing offshore, it's been more of a fly in a bubble, get out over the weeds or in the pockets. When you're out in the lake, it's been more uh, trolling and casting spoon type lures and things like that. But they're catching a good fair number of fish. But what's really impressive is the number of fish between two and seven pounds are catching up at Lake John. It is just fantastic. The Delaney's up there are also producing good steady fish. Now the big brown trout fishing hasn't kicked in yet. That'll come a little later this fall. Uh, But Lake John has a tremendous, tremendous growth rate in it. So fish that have been stocked in Lake John grow so quickly, so they're just footballs. If you really right now want to catch a five-pound rainbow, if you put your time in at Lake John, the chances are probably as good or better than any other water in the state of Colorado. It is fantastic. i fished it many times. I love fishing it. And then you have Cowdery and Big Creek and the Delaney's. The Delaney's cutthroat fishing, fly rod or conventional can be just fantastic getting out in a float tube you have to remember the delaney's are flies and lures only where lake john and john and cowdery you can use bait and that's working too for the trout a big trout out there power bait and night crawlers and things like that so tremendous fishing and the lake john uh, facility is the lake john uh, resort uh, it's right on lake john and they rent boats they have RV hookups. They have cabins they rent. They're actually attached to the building, and they've added a fifth wheel uh, to their their offering that now sleeps about five people. And they're it's uh, they're, it's in their RV setup. So they have a lot of accommodations too. The best way to find them is at the Lake John uh, Resort uh, online or on Facebook. They they post a lot on Facebook. Well, it looks like we're gonna miss Doug. So I want to talk a little bit about our question of the day some some more. What we're doing today, and we may turn this in to a regular regular event, maybe once a month, question of the day. Today, we're just doing it for fun, and we're asking you, the question is, what do you remember more, a fish you landed or a fish you lost? Now, I'm going to give the results of our little survey at the end of the show, but we went out to people like Jimmy Houston. We went out to people like Steve Panaz, Al Linder, the folks you hear on this show and uh, I'm going to give my answer at the end of the show. But you can vote or share a memory with us at our text line, 303-713-1043. That's 303-713-1043. If this ends up being popular, what I think we may do is we'll try it a couple times just for fun like we're doing today. And uh, if we get good response, we may go out and get some prizes and turn it into a where we award a prize probably through a drawing at the end of the show uh, for for doing this. So we're having a lot of fun with it. But again, the question is, what do you remember more, a fish you landed or a fish you lost? And we are getting answers all over the board about people say, of course, it's that big fish I landed. It's that, it's that one I got to show off to my friends. But to many, it's that one that you never got to see or that you got a glimpse of it. And you can remember just exactly what happened when you lost it. And I have a story. I'm not going to tell you it was landed or lost that I'll share at the end of the show that I've never been able to get out of my mind. It's just a, one of my, and I've been fishing all over the world. And this is a tremendous experience. So text three zero three seven one three one zero four three and tell us, what do you remember more? A fish you landed or a fish you lost? And remember the North Park area up at Lake John, unfortunately they didn't it's we just don't have he's trying to join us now but we just don't have time so uh, what i would do is get a hold of the folks up at the lake john resort um doug is a great guy up there they're getting really busy but the fishing has been steady if you want a place where you can catch large fish i mean the number of fish from two to seven pounds coming in is fantastic they have boat rentals they're catching fish from shore they're catching them from a boat they have RV hookups. They have a fifth wheel you can rent. They have cabins with hunting season coming up a great place for accommodations. It's a shame. We didn't really get to him today. Um, he just did call in when Doug, I'm sorry. We're running out of time or I bring you up. Um, you know what? Is Doug still on? If, if he is, yes. I'll bring him up real quick. Doug, you still there? He's there. Yes, sir. I'm still All right. here. All right. Well, Doug, I tell you, we don't have time to go through too much. I know you answered me last night, but answer our question of the week what do you remember more a fish you landed or a fish you lost
4: oh the fish i landed well, a doubt, what a great feeling it was oh uh, it was a 32 uh, inch walleye that i caught up in canada years ago and it just you know i hadn't fished in like 10 years and uh it was the first cast and boom hit it it just just made my day it was like the second cast too
0: all right, I kind of filled people in about what we talked about. Uh, but why don't you tell people exactly how they get a hold of you and and the best ways and what's you know, what's going on real quick.
4: Well, the best way we have two two uh, phone numbers that go to the same phone. There's the 970-723-3226, uh but you can text us at 970-286-1269. Um, those are the two quickest ways to get a hold of us. Otherwise, uh, email fish at com.
0: And, and you post a lot. People need to go look at your Facebook page. Tell them about that.
4: Yeah, we have a bragging board in, in the, in the store. Uh, and it's also tied to my website so that people can see what people are catching, what they're catching them on, uh, what the, the fishing conditions are like the water, the water, the weather, um, et cetera.
0: All right, Doug, we're out of time. Sorry you got tied up there. I tried to fill people in, but great opportunities up there. Hopefully people will take advantage of it.
4: That's right. come Come to Lake John to get your footballs.
0: All right. Thank you, Doug. Hey, thanks, Terry. You bet. Doug Gibb from Lake John. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Nate Zelinsky's is going to join us, and we're going to talk hunting. But we have more fishing coming up next hour, too, on Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.